All right. How many of you know the Ten Commandments? You know what the Ten Commandments are. Raise your hand up if you know. Good, good, because I'm going to need your help. I want to write them up here on the board this morning. Let's see if I can find one of these. Things. What's the very first commandment? Anybody? Uh, let's do out of Exodus 20. We're going to use those. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. We're going to write ten commandments up here as given by God to Moses. All right, so number one Thou shalt. What's the next one? Okay. So we'll say, I'm just going to write no graven image because. Remember the Sabbath day. one is don't commit adultery. I'm putting them all in order here on purpose. I think God put them in, the, on, in that order mostly on, I don't know why he put them in that order, but God's pretty detailed. We will be too. Thou shalt not steal will be the next one. Somebody said that. That's number eight. There's ten of them. What's, the, what's number nine? Oh, one between there. Bear false witness. Oh, no. False witness. And then thou shalt not covet was the last one. Remember, that's number 10. No coveting. 
So that's what we know of as the Ten Commandments. And that was when, when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, it took them about three months of travel to get to a place called Sinai. Now, Sinai is out in the desert, out in the middle of nowhere, and they had to cross the finger of the Red Sea to get there. And in that crossing of the Red Sea, uh, all of Egypt's special forces, their tanks, their artillery, their foot soldiers, and even the king all died because it was just too... Yeah, it just wasn't a good wasn't good for him to get across there. May God use that as a way to deliver the children of Israel. But they came out in the middle of, of this desert, and there's a place called Sinai, and or Mount Horeb, it was also called. And Moses went up the mountain, and God wrote with his finger these commandments to his people. All right. Now, that is a backdrop of what God's people knew and understood for their law. Now, there's also in the New Testament, when they reference this, what are the, what are the commandments that are typically given here? When God... When, when uh, Pharisees, or it says lawyers, that simply means the studiers of the law, which mostly were Pharisees. And the Pharisees don't mean they were bad people. They were actually pretty good people. But they, and it says they would tempt him. That doesn't mean that they were trying, doesn't always mean they were trying to trip him up. It simply means they were proving him to see if he understood the law like they did. And that's kind of their... Was, that was one form of it. Now, there was a lawyer or a man that asked Jesus in Matthew 22, verse 35, it says, or 34, but when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. That's the Pharisees, they were gathered together. One of them, which was a lawyer or that studied the law, he knew the law backwards and forwards, and he actually knew the Ten Commandments too. He asked Jesus a question, tempting him and saying, or proving him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? So what's the greatest commandment in the law? Do you know what it is? Hilton, you had actually said, said it here a bit ago. What, what was that? Do you know where that's found? It's in Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. Okay? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Well, I won't write it down. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. Um, I'm just going to read it in Matthew 22, 37. Jesus said unto the lawyer, the man that asked him, he said, and he's quoting directly from Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 6. But he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. That This is the first and great commandment, or the greatest commandment. This is the, the commandment that covers, that's the, the most important commandment. 
And the second is like unto it. And it's found in Leviticus 19, verse 18. And there's a section of verses in there to read as well. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That's the backdrop there. And these lawyers were pretty, pretty, uh, pretty sharp when it came to knowing what the law said, what the intent of the law was, what was written there. And uh, so now I say all that to give a backdrop. And the title of the message that I'd like to share this morning is, What Must I Do to Inherit Eternal Life? And there's going to be two stories in the New Testament that are shared that use this backdrop for their basis. And I'd like to, to share it today. It's just as relevant for us today as it was for them then. Uh, even though we are what we call in the age of grace, uh, we still we live above the law. That doesn't mean that the that some of that these commandments are gone away. We still believe that it's just as wrong to kill today as it was to kill back then. It's just as wrong to commit adultery as it was then. You know, so those those things are still in place. There's still laws that are that didn't go away. But what must I do to inherit eternal life? This was a question that Jesus was asked by two men at two different times. And I'd like to ask you, is this a question that you've ever asked? Have you ever thought about that question? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And if you thought about that, what answer did you arrive at? What would you say that you should do to inherit eternal life? What would you say? Do you have any thoughts on that? Would one of the things say, well, we need to be a believer. We need to be a Christian. Yes. We need to go to church. Yes, we do. We need to don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That's clear. Um, what, be supportive. Uh, be faithful. Live right. You know, those are all things that would be good to do. They're good answers. And this morning, I'd like for this question and the answers that Jesus gave, I'd like for them to really sink into our consciousness and motivate us to uh, obedience. So if you, if you would turn, first of all, to Luke 10, in verse 25, and uh, it's another lawyer, another studier of the law, someone who knows these Ten Commandments here. They know the Ten Commandments. They probably know them better than you do. And they probably know a lot more about the Law of Moses and the Law and the Scripture and how it ties into it, probably better than we do. I've been told that these lawyers, they still have them today, they, they memorize huge, they memorize the whole big swaths of the, of the Old Testament. And they memorize... The law of Moses. They some of them memorized the whole, what we call the Old Testament. They memorized that. They know. Anyway, for Luke 10, verse 25, it says, And behold, or look, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, 
What shall I do to inherit eternal life? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? So the lawyer says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Good, Jesus says. Very, very good. And that was true. That was, ex that was exactly true. He said, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. He said, You know. Just do it. Well, the, the man, he was very intelligent. But um, he also knew that there was something in this that, he, uh, that wasn't lining up. His, his culture and, his, and what the law said, what he just said, was maybe a little bit at odds. So he wanted to get up. He wanted to have Jesus back him up on this. He said, he willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? See, this man was actually, he, he felt like he loved the Lord with all his heart and his mind and his soul. He did everything he could. He was a very sincere individual. Very sincere. But there was just over here, there was, a, there was a group of people. Well, he would like to call them animals, but you know they look like people. Over here that uh, he could, had no use for. He was racially prejudiced, we could say. But he believed that you love the Lord with all your heart. You treat your neighbor as yourself, except for those people. He's willing, he wants to justify himself, so he wants to define neighbor as only people who believe like me, who look like me, dress like me, act like me, and everything. So that's what he wants to do. And he says, but he didn't tell Jesus that. He just said, who's my neighbor? And Jesus said, Jesus didn't say, it's people that look like you. Jesus said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest. So priest would be classed as a neighbor, right? He came a, a priest. He was, the, he was the preacher. The preacher came by, and uh, when he saw the man that was half dead, he decided to go around him. We don't know why he did, but he decided to go around him. He probably had good reason for it because priests on duty were not supposed to touch a dead body or somebody that was half dead or anything. They weren't supposed to. But if the greatest commandment was to, or if the second greatest commandment was to love your neighbor as yourself, he should have made an exception to the touching the dead body rule and actually done it, but he didn't. He went around him and he left, he departed. Or passed by on the other side. And uh, also a Levite. You know, the, the, the good people. The really good people. He looked on him and... Uh, 
I don't have time for this. And, and he went around the other side. And these were both people that knew that they should treat their neighbor as themselves. They knew that. But they didn't. And then there was a <clears throat> those people over here that we don't call humans, Samaritan. It was a Samaritan, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where this man was laying there on the road. And he had compassion on him. He wasn't even a human being. He had compassion on this guy. And he, uh, he picked him up, and he put him in his pickup. And he bounced him real carefully to the nearest hospital. And, well, actually, first of all, he put some, he did, got his first aid kit out, and he put some Band-Aids on him and cleaned him up the best he could. And he took him into the hospital, and he didn't worry about his insurance. He just took him in there, and they saved his life. But they had to keep him in overnight, had to keep him for a while. He said, well, I can't stay this long, but I'll come back in a couple days, and I'll, t I'll settle up with you then. And we'll, we'll go from there. Jesus said, which now of these three do you think was the neighbor that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. I don't think he wanted to say that. I think he really wanted to run away, but he was stuck. He that showed mercy on him. And Jesus said unto him, go and do thou likewise. You know, this law... Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, all your, your heart, your mind, heart and, yeah, heart and mind and strength. It's your body, soul, and spirit. You, 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 uh, you love, love the Lord with your whole being is what it means there. And... That's what it means. Love the Lord and love your neighbor. It, you show mercy on all. All right? That's the first man who said, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him. Now turn to Matthew 19. There's another man that said the same thing. A little different context. Little different, um, little different time. But he said the same thing. Had the same question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? 19 verse 16 of Matthew. And behold, look. One came in Luke. It says he came running. He was desperate. One came running and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? He's thinking about the hereafter. And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is, God. I think Jesus was established, was telling him that, yeah, I don't know if the man was recognizing him as God, or Jesus was pointing him to God as God being good. But he says, If thou wilt enter into life, Keep the commandments. Now this was a lawyer too. He saith unto him, Which, Lord, which? 
Or at least the man knew, knew the law. Which commandment? All right. Jesus said, when he asked him which one, you know where Jesus started? He said, Thou shalt do no murder, which would be this one. Okay? That's, that's one you need to keep. He said, uh, Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's this one. You keep that one. Thou shalt not bear false witness. You keep this one. And uh, honor thy father and thy mother. Okay, we'll keep this one. And that goes to these others, too. He didn't say so. He also said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Remember these... We need to love... This was number one. And this one's number two. Love God. Love neighbor. Alright? So... We love God and we love neighbor. That's number one and number two. So love neighbor, get this. This would be number two. This would be number two. This one is number two. Number two, number two, number two. All this under here is has to do with loving your neighbor. And this man was, he was excellent there. He got it. He got it dead on. I've kept all of them from my youth up. Well, I don't know about this one down here, but Jesus didn't say this coveting thing. But all these others, he got, he got that. He got it. And then Jesus said, and the young man said, all these things have I kept from my youth up. I've kept all these commandments. I'm, I should be good. But Jesus said, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell what you have, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. That's now touching on, on loving the Lord with all your heart and being willing to sacrifice anything, everything. And uh, And all of a sudden, the man couldn't do it. He was really good in loving his neighbor. But when it came to loving the Lord with all your heart, he just couldn't do it. And part of that was because his possessions was the one thing that he couldn't, he, he held on to. He couldn't get rid of it. That was the thing he held on to. And when it came to loving the Lord with all your heart, he just couldn't let go. He could let go of everything else, but he couldn't let go of that. And Jesus looked on him. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly, it says verily, but it means truly, I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. He holds to his things too tightly. He can't let go. It's hard to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, as impossible as that looks like, 
than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceeding amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible. You know, of, of yourself, it's, it's impossible. You're going to have to be broken before God. You're going to have to be emptied of yourself. And then with God's help, it's possible. But you can't do it by yourself. And Peter said, we, We've left all and followed thee. What shall we have that, for that? And Jesus said, Truly I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But as forsaking that, but many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. So, sometimes we are like this man. Not sometimes. There's many of us that are like this man. I, I'm like this man sometimes. There's things that I, I might be able to uh, hold my possessions loosely, but... What does it say in 20, verse 29? Hath forsaken houses or brethren, relationships, sisters, father, mother, family relationships. Who wants to get, who wants to be an outcast in their family and be a, be um, the black sheep? Or lands. You know, what if your country even puts you out for, the, for God's sake? You know that it's forsaking all. Forsaking all. Jesus said, Whosoever would not take up his cross and follow me. I wonder what that cross was, because he hadn't died on the cross yet. What, how did they know what he was talking about? How did they know what the cross was? I, I wondered if he didn't use a different word. But take up his yoke, or maybe it's a yoke, maybe it's a... I think what it means is if you take up your forsaking, you take up the, the, the shame that, that I might bring on you, you cannot be my disciple. But in verse 30, many that are first shall be last. You know, sometimes we have our priorities all backwards, don't we? We, work, we, get, we get as successful as we can get in whatever area it is, But we don't forsake those things. And then God says, well, we don't lay up treasure in heaven like this uh, young man was told to do. It was just backwards. He had to get rid of his treasure here to get treasure there. That was, uh, that was, what his, that was his point that Jesus pointed out that he had to forsake and he couldn't do it. What is the point in your life? What's the point in my life? It might not be that. It might be something else. But what Jesus is saying is you have to be you have to give it all up. Hold it loosely, hold it very loosely. 
You know, some of us, and I'm preaching this to myself here because it's, it's something that I've been really struggling with. Sometimes I think I have it figured out or I have it let go. Other times it's not that way. It's, it's, uh, it can become a, a tremendous struggle. And uh, this week I was having my personal devotions and this, this came very, very clear. And I'm sharing it from my own experience and for me, but I, I think it's applicable to all of us this morning. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Do we understand the law of grace concept? You know, some say that grace does away with obedience to the law. Because we are, we're not under the law anymore, we are, we're under grace. Well, no, it says one jot or one tittle will not pass away till all be fulfilled. But we, when we live above the law, we, uh, when we're living un, under grace un, by the Spirit, we don't kill, we don't commit adultery. We still are to love the Lord with all our heart, but it's because we want to, not because we have to. That's what it means by living above the law. We're doing it because we want to. It's out of love, not because it's uh, commanded that we have to. But the kingdom of heaven is about righteousness, holiness, obedience, and perseverance or faithfulness. Perseverance to the end, not falling away beforehand, before the end. So to become a child of Christ requires faith and repentance. To be a disciple of Christ requires, requires love. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those are still, still active requirements, active things that, we, that God wants to see in his disciples. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind, with, all, with, your, with your intelligence, with your spirit. Love him within your spirit. And love him in your strength, in your body, which you work for. It's love. To be a disciple requires love. It also requires commitment. To forsake all requires a commitment. We do it because we believe, and believing means that we actually act on that belief. And obedience is... When we say obedience, if we love the Lord and we have a relationship with him, we understand what he wants and we do what he wants, not what we want. It's also part of the forsaking process or forsaking yeah, process. Obedience is to do what we want, well, what, what, what God wants us to, to do and how to live. And that obedience to God enables us to live in righteousness and holiness and and pattern our life after Christ. You know, perseverance is the thing of living, of keeping on to the end. Keeping on to the end. You know, in Romans, I think it talks about those that run in a race. Only the ones that, that run across the finish line receive the prize it's the ones that uh, get too tired and uh, jump out of the race 
don't receive the prize. Just because you start doesn't give you the prize, but it's the ones that come across the finish line that get the prize. That's, uh, that's how the race works, and that's how the, Paul was saying that's how the Christian life works. Persevering to the end. You know, I was looking. We talked a little bit about lukewarmness in our, in our Sunday school class this morning. And lukewarm, in Revelations, where, when, when God is talking to the church of Laodicea there, the church of Laodicea was a very wealthy church. It was a church that had everything they could want. But it was also a church where I think the people were very worldly, very carnal. And they wanted, a, they wanted what they wanted and wanted to do what they wanted to do. But they also wanted the label of being Christian. And maybe they were like the rich, this ruler here that came and talked to Jesus. And they said, I want, I've, uh, I'm really good at, at uh, getting along with all the people that I can see in my church. And I'm really good at uh, giving in the offering. And I'm really good at certain things. But uh, loving the Lord with all my heart, I am not really good at so I'm, I'll just excel over here, and we won't do this. But we still get the label of Christian. And God looks at that, and he says, well, that's trying to have both sides of it. And that's lukewarm. He said, I hate lukewarmness. That's what God says. I hate it. I'm going to spit that. Even though they say they're Christians, I'm going to spit them out. And the burden of my heart this morning is that we would look at, at what God is wanting from us and that our commitment would be strong enough to live for him, to be able to forsake anything that comes between us and God. Many times we're like the Pharisee who's willing to justify himself and the way we do that is we find other people that are worse than us, and we say, we're better than them, so we must be all right. Paul told the Corinthians that he, he who compares himself among himself is not wise. It's a very bad measuring stick. If you would turn to Romans 13, verse 8. This is Paul writing to the Romans, to the church there at Rome. I believe this was at the end of his life, or towards the end of his life. But the first part of the chapter, he's talking about obeying the magistrates, obeying the government, um, obeying those that are in authority over you. But in verse 8 through 14, it's, a, it's, a, it's words to us. 
He was writing it to the Romans, but it's relevant to us. He says, you Christians, owe no man anything except to love one another. We owe each other that, that debt. To love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Remember, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. Remember those, all those, number 5 through 10? He names them all. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That's fulfilling the law. And fulfilling the law covers he covered that in that verse love worketh no ill to his neighbor love worketh no ill to his neighbor there's no room for um, cutting somebody's reputation down there's no room to uh, retaliate towards somebody for something they might have Maybe they looked at me cross-eyed, and so now I want to go let all the air out of his tire. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. In other words, there's people that sleep that don't really pay attention to this. They don't pay attention to what their situation is like. So it's time to wake up, people. All of us. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The day of the Lord is coming. It's closer now than it was when we got to church. And if we don't persevere to the end, we won't be saved. If we are sleeping when He comes, we won't be saved. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. You know, there's something that could be said. Some of us like to be private individuals. I, I like to be private in a lot of things. I just like to kind of go around and do my own thing because it's what more comfortable and nobody asks any questions and it's all good that way, a lot better. But... <clears throat> accountability uh, removes a lot of temptation <clears throat> temptation sometimes transparency does transparency removes questions it removes some temptations in my life but it also removes questions and other people might have about me and that's why it's called the armor of light let us walk honestly in verse 13 let us walk honestly as in the day not the night we walk in, in accountability. We walk in transparency. Not in rioting and drunkenness. Not in chambering and wantonness. Not in strife and envying. But walk honestly as in the day. But, or and, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Don't make, don't justify ourselves before others. Don't give ourselves license to do what we want to do, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That was Paul's admonition to the church at Rome. 
think it's Paul's admonition to the church here at Santa Fe. It's Paul's admonition to me. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And I'm just going to read what we should do in closing. And that's what the lawyer in Luke 10, verse 27, says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus said, This do, and thou shalt live. Let's stand for prayer. Our Father, I come, we come to you this morning. You have given us so much instruction in your word. And yet, sometimes I get lazy and don't dig it very don't dig very far in in understanding the instruction that you have given. Lord, would you open my eyes, open our eyes, and open our understanding and take the words of your scripture and plant them in our hearts and help us to be willing to forsake all to follow you. Help us to be willing to love our neighbor as ourself. Lord, you know the journey of each one here in this meeting this morning. There may be some that are fighting against many things that they look at as, or that we might look at as unfair or unjust or just bad. We could probably all say that we have those in our, those things in our life. But Lord, would you make us willing to just forsake all and to accept what you have given us? We ask a blessing this morning on each one too. Would you give us grace to go on and to follow you to the end? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated.